1: Hello, welcome to To Be a Terrier. Much happier faces all round, uh, and I'm sure listening there are as well. How are you doing, Dave? Stephen,
0: can I thank you? Yeah. Um, I was going to have a sandwich for lunch, but then <laughs> I saw you had chips, and I thought he's right, and I thought I'm going to I'm going to change, and I'm going to have chips. So I thank you for that. I'm a real influencer, apparently.
1: Uh, yeah, Huddersfield <laughs> Town one, Sheffield United nil. Danny Ward. Absolute screamer of a goal, brilliant hit, gets better every time you see it. One of those goals. The result was the main thing. 0-0 would have been just fine. I would have been quite happy if all 22 players had stood in the centre circle having a picnic and a chat, to be perfectly honest. I would have found that absolutely scintillating stuff over the 90 minutes. Not really what we got. Town had to work for it. They had to dig in first half. They got a few let-offs, particularly from Daniel Jefferson. Thank you to Daniel Jefferson uh, for kindly missing three quite scorable chances for Sheffield United. Um, But the... The turnaround is complete, Dave. Survival is assured. Um, it's been a hell of a couple of months.
0: Yeah, it has. We, we did we did the podcast a while ago where we had to talk about them as though they were down, and we had had discussion before about how we were going to handle it, and there was no other way to do it at the time. And, yeah, it's been quite remarkable. I, th- I think I'm not a great... Before we sort of really analyse the game... I'm not a great believer in sort of fate and destiny and all of that sort of things, but sometimes in sport I think momentum is a force of fate. And it's just felt for six weeks or so like even even when town didn't get the result or town didn't play, results just kept going for them. And sometimes, you know, that kind of doesn't happen by accident. It's because other clubs know there's pressure coming from an area where they would previously written off or what have you, and it's made a difference. And it has been a remarkable turnaround. I think they've had some help along the way. I think they've had some luck along the way, but the difference is, I think under Warnock, they've earned it. Yeah. I don't think you know the first two thirds of the season they'd gone anywhere near earning a slice of luck. And yeah, you know, it. It. Congratulations. You know, nothing really sums it up for me more than. Danny Ward, who... He's clearly not fit. He's clearly carrying an injury. He, I mean, there were times during the game where he couldn't run last night, but he was still trying to play high, still trying to pressure and stop the easy out ball from defence, doing what Danny Ward does. And I maintain he's hit that from there, just because he just hadn't, he hadn't got it in him to take a man on or take another touch or run it. It really was like, if I don't hit this here, I'm not going to get the shot off. <laughs> And his exact I, words it, it, were, "Sod it, I'm gonna shoot." <laughs> yeah, and it, and it flew in, and that that is kind of what this last six weeks has, has been about, you know. And it's 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 been good. And I, I think I said on the last part, I'll be honest, I I don't think I'd want to watch a full season of Warnock Ball um, on a couple of levels, really, but. I don't think he'd play the same way yeah. to give him his due. You know, I think he's had to had to be quite horses for courses for t- at times. I think there's a quite a big risk in repeatedly sort of giving <laughs> giving the, the other team the first half to have a good look at them try and ride out the storm and then try and do something second half because you know over the course of a season there are lots of times where you're two nil down at half time not nil nil so i think he would change the way he played and what have you but yeah it's it's been interesting it's it's been educational um i think When he came in, one of the things we wanted to do, me and you, was sort of talk about the fact that he's not some Luddite. He's not a, you know, a lump it forward merchant or anything like that. There's been a lot of sort of tactical nuance on what he's done. He's also had to play a certain way in certain games, you know, he's been forced into it. And he's just become, he's just turned them into a results machine. You know that's that's the incredible thing, really. Last season they were a results machine over the course of the season because Carlos Corbran just got them super organised, super super organised, and like yet again this season you wouldn't believe how far that takes you in this league. This time it's just been a triumph of of sort of hard work, horses for courses, a little bit of luck, and just being clinical as well, Steve. That's the remarkable thing, isn't it? They've been they've discovered a clinical edge they still don't create anything like enough chances they still don't take anything like enough shots but they just suddenly started scoring the chances they've got and that was a a very welcome turnaround shall we say yeah
1: before i go on i'll apologize i've Last week I got told off for vaping, um, and uh, this week I've got a bit of a sniffle, so apologies if uh, if any of that is coming through. There's also an ominous rumble of thunder when we started talking about the future of the club, <laughs> um, so that's fun. But no, I, th- I think, uh, and I also had scrambled egg on toast for lunch, by the way, not chips. But um, no, I think you're exactly right. I, th- I think, you know, you look at... <sighs> And it's this is the thing you sort of as a writer adapt to the manager that you're writing about and working with and what their team is like. And we've not really talked much, dug too much into statistics and XG and things like that because I don't think it's that important to how a Neil Warnock side goes about their business but you know they have defied the XG in a very similar way to Carlos Gorbrand's team did last year they've they're still having lots of gate or had have had lots of games where they've had less than a an one expected goal per game and found a way to want, to win um, etc etc but I think the big difference has been that willingness to to take risks and I know there's been, as you say, maybe a bit of a filling out period in in some games. Uh, some games they've gone in behind. Their first half record isn't very good. Warnock himself pointed this out. His first halves haven't been brilliant, but he's he's won most of his second halves, and that is factually accurate. He has lost a few, despite what he said, but um, <laughs> but um, they've mostly won their second halves. Town and as I say I think that is down to the willingness to say to the players and, and he said it in reference to Jaheim Headley for the Sheffield United game where he felt Headley was coming inside too much coming into central areas too much playing it a little bit safe at times and he said he gave him a bit of a roasting at the break and said just take your man on go outside him and, and if it doesn't work I don't care just keep trying it and I think that is basically this Nil Warnock side summed up he, he he wants his players to, to take risks. And we saw how risk-averse they became under Mark Fotheringham. You know, it was, it was I think, a large degree of, of overcorrection because under Schofield, it was the opposite. They were taking far too many risks, push, putting too many men forward. They had no defensive shape. Um, they were so easy to catch on the break. They got done constantly like that. Fotheringham, it was overcorrect the other way, way too risk-averse, way too deep all the time, complete unwillingness to to try things, to try to grind out nil-nils and one-nils, and if you get into a war of attrition, your resistance is going to be broken eventually. You don't re- beat the Soviet Union in a land war. Um, and Warnock is the Goldilocks for Town. He's found a way to, to kind of have the best of both. Uh, in a way they've actually defensively their record under Warnock isn't brilliant but it hasn't mattered because they've been scoring at the other end which they haven't done all season and you can't argue with the results you know we, we really can't overstate what an improvement it's been as I put in the conclusions I think this all started at half-time against Norwich where they went in one nil down, came out and looked a completely different team to the one we'd seen at any other point this season. And they've basically just carried that on throughout the rest of the campaign. Before the Norwich game they had, I think it was 31 or 32 points from 36 games. It was 32. 32 points from 36 games from the Norwich game onwards. They've had 18 points from 9 games. So they've gone from being bottom of the table to, if you take the league table from the last nine games they'd be fifth <laughs> you know th- this that's the level of improvement we're talking about they've lost one in the last nine they've won five of them and let's not forget as not the top 20 tweeted out they've played is it 11 of the top 13 since Warnock's yeah. taken over
0: but uh, like I-, I said this briefly to you last night but i kind of think that's helped them i think having a series of almost free hits and I don't mean it was ever a free hit to Warnock or the players, but I mean having a series of free hits where you've got a series of games where people are like, anything we get out of this is a massive bonus. That starts a ball rolling when you do start getting them out of them. And in a weird way, I think it, it has actually served them to play these sides and to play sides that play football, you know, because mm-hmm. it, it's, it's given... It's given Warnock things to exploit in the second half. You know, it's it's given holes and he spotted areas on the pitch where he can put a man and drop them in. He's used players like Josh Caroma. He's adjusted their positions and adjusted what he wants them to do on the pitch when he spotted the weaknesses. And like you know, we we were quite critical of Carlos Corbran last season when Town were in the playoffs and and flying because he was still so unreactive to, to situations it it really was like a sort of do plan a better within as games backup yeah, plan. yeah whereas what warnock has done is he's set them out with a load of adjustments on the pitch you know we've seen games where they've they've gone man to man 10v10 we've seen games where he's tried to play Coroma is almost like a spare man in the pocket, we've seen games where they've tried to play in straight lines just to try and block out teams who want to play football, we've seen all sorts of variation, and it's a bit of a reminder after, it's impossible to do this without damning them, but I am going to include Carlos Corbran as well, but it's a bit of a reminder from Corbran and from Fotherington and from Schofield that... You know, one of the arts of management is adjustment in-game, before games, from opponent to opponent. You get a team like Sheffield United who are a 3-5-2 constantly or, or a Burnley who just play the same way and it's because of their personnel and their squad. You know, arguably they, they, they are way too strong for that league. Town aren't going to be in that position. <laughs> so you have to do it by being clever. <laughs> and you have to do it by being clever before games, in-games half-time of games and that's what Warnock is he's been clever he's been clever throughout this run and that is where he, he deserves the most credit because he's he, he's known how to get something from those players he's known how to get something from that club he's known how to get something from that crowd and that's that's been the biggest difference getting everybody on the side everybody rowing the right way and it's been a good week for an advocate of it, it was never going to the final day such as myself. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I think the two things we've mentioned there, the, the cleverness and the the ability to grind things out and also the willingness to take risks. You've almost got sort of two sets of players who have each done a job there and you've got the ones that have... And, and obviously everyone's done a bit of both things. I'm, I'm not sort of suggesting otherwise, but I think you looked at the players who were the most risk-taking, the most energy, the most, you know, who brought that sort of new verve to the side that's been lacking for so long. It's the younger players, you know, it's Joe Hungbo, Jack Radoni, Josh Caroma, who has been absolutely fantastic, um, you have to say, and we, we've said it before, but I thought second half he was borderline unplayable at times against Sheffield United, he, he was sensational. Um, Jaheim Headley, Brahim Diarra, Keen Harrop, and then you've got, the players with the experience in there as well, you know, Mihal Helik, Tom Lees, Lee Nichols, Jonathan Hogg, of course, Matty Pearson, and again, it's it's balance, you know, and you, you need that balance in the in the squad. Um, and this is, let's be honest, pretty much the same squad of players that the other two managers have, have had, um, mm. bar a couple of January signings, um, and bar a couple of you know uh players that that were out injured first half of the season like like a pearson um it's more or less the same squad and i think we started this season by saying this is a team that's that's underperformed and is underperforming then reached a certain point where it's like oh no this squad just isn't very good but i think we're now back to actually we were right the first time and i think we'll save next week dave to dig into what's gone wrong this season and the lessons they need to to learn for next season um if we can save most of that. But I think this has shown, as as remarkable as this comeback has, has been, it sort of shows you the level of underachievement that, that was there before. And it's it's fantastic that they've got over the line now. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because, you know, I don't want to dampen anyone's spirits. But it is an unavoidable fact. Town probably shouldn't have been in that bottom three all, all season until sort of a month ago.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it... We're going to have to do an autopsy on the season and what I still maintain has been a, a big underperformance. But, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said about this season and I think Warner being able to do what he does has been able to do. When we get to it, this isn't the podcast to do it, but it, it, it's actually quite damning in one way, Steve, of, mm. of a lot of other things. And we will get to that. And I know you know lots of fans have an opinion on that, but... Yeah, I think we've got to do a deeper dive on that on the next one. But I think that, that you look at someone like Romani Edmunds mm-hmm. right? who everybody knows. It's my personal project to get him into the England squad. <laughs> right? Warnock's come in. He's played as a central defender. He's played as a defensive midfielder. He's played as a man marker just to sit on somebody and just follow them all over the pitch. He's played as a right wing back. And, you know, he was described as teacher's pet on that uh, Waghorn and Dwayne Holmes thing on Sky because the manager loved him. And you can see why, because he just has done what he's been told. He's the one who goes down for the tactical foul, Steve. I don't know if you've noticed that. He's the one who goes down with the tactical injury. And so Warnock can get the troops together on the sideline and have a proper chat with them. He's just... He's sort of the epitome of what Warnock's been able to do, which is look at players that others have, I wouldn't say written off, but have just either decided they're not good enough or they're not specific enough or they can't adapt. And he's been able to find uses for them. And and Romani has been, I I think he's brilliant. I thought he he was excellent again last night. Mm -hmm. I think Josh Caroma has been staggeringly good on the back foot you know the big criticism of Josh Caroma was never going forward the big criticism of Josh Caroma was always that he didn't do enough defensively so when he did have a bad game you know and I'm thinking of say the Barnsley game Barnsley away last year when we were there Steve and we were just tearing our hair out at him if he's giving you nothing going forward and he's giving you nothing going back you can't play him well now there have been games where he hasn't been so productive going forward as he was second half last night but his covering work and his shielding work has been what I can only describe as proper, yeah. which is not a, not a great analyst term, <laughs> but it has. It's been proper. There was a couple of times against
1: and, Cardiff where there was a ball they were trying to play balls in behind up the flanks, and it was him getting back to to nod it away.
0: Yeah, you, you know, and you can go on. You can you can look at Jack Redona. It's no. We joked about he was probably never going to score until you know somebody went and weed on all the corner flags at the ground and lifted the curse and all of that sort of thing but it's no surprise to me he got his couple of goals under Warnock because Warnock changed the way he was playing and turned him into a bit of a runner more than anything but by turning him into a runner suddenly he popped up into a couple of positions where he could score and the one where he comes across against Blackburn and gets the, the finish at the near post that is what you want Jack Rodoni doing, really. Mm-hmm. You know, arriving late, defender, getting there just before the defender. That is where you want him causing damage going forward, you know, getting into those sort of areas. So, yeah, it, it's been fantastic and let's give him his due. There are 99.9% of other managers out there who couldn't have come into Huddersfield Town in that situation with this Huddersfield Town squad and got Huddersfield Town safe. You know, I don't think Jurgen Klock or Pep Guardiola could have done it. There, there, there is something about Warnock that is just absolutely liquid Huddersfield Town, and there is something about Huddersfield Town that is just absolutely liquid Warnock, isn't there? It's just a, a synergy, and credit to the club for doing the only thing mm-hmm. they could to save them and actually doing it.
1: Yeah, exactly what I was just about to come on to, which is. Someone else said to me, Ollie Fisher actually said to me earlier, probably this is a rare instance where you can look at what's happened in the turnaround they've had and just go, well, it's all down to the manager. And then, you know, I, I don't think that's taking any credit away from the players, but I think they know themselves that that's the case. Just look at, what they did the guard of honour for him as he went off the pitch after the game on Thursday night you know I think they they know full well and Jonathan Nogg and Danny Ward both were quite open about it they're giving all the credit to, to Neil Warnock for it and you kind of have to join in with that particularly again when they've underperformed all season looked nowhere near looked dead and buried but as, as Hoggy admitted so I don't think we need to feel bad that, that we said that ourselves um and and then they've survived not just survived but done it with a game to spare and yeah, alright, you can talk about sit there and thump your Bible and talk about your jump No, you can you can talk about Redding's points deduction, Wigan's points deduction but even without that, Town would be going into the final day in a good position where they only need to match or better one of the results of the four teams below them in the table. Um so or draw against Redding would would do it. So I'm not having any talk about the points deduction and, and the effect that's had. Um, I think town would be out of it regardless. Um, but yeah, I, I just I got nothing but praise for for Neil Warnock and the job that he's done. I really don't.
0: Mm. And just a quick word for for Reading in all of this crap. <laughs> that's my word for them. Crap. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're they're not a good team. They're not a good team, no. and do you know what? Like, I'll, I didn't particularly want to commit this to print because I don't want to be quoted all over Berkshire Live. But um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad Reading have gone down. It's it's nice to see that a team breaks the rules and overspends as flagrantly as they have for absolutely. years. And absolutely, and they, were they were running at two hundred.
0: They were running at two hundred twelve percent of turnover as wages at one point. That 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 is not fair. <laughs> That that should not be rewarded, and that's why I'm 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 saying my word for them. It's it's just you, you can't you can't run the club like that, and they literally tried to unbalance the competition in their favour and failed. There should be a consequence for that, Steve, and now they're suffering the consequence. Have some of that.
1: I'm <laughs> saying to to someone as well. In a weird way, this this season will in some regards end up being, I think, more fondly remembered than last season because of, of how it's ended. Obviously, it's been nowhere near as good a season. It's been nowhere near as special a season over the course of the campaign. It's been absolutely horrible on and off the pitch for, for everyone, I think. But I think this will always now be remembered as the season where Warnock came back. And I think he put it best himself when he said there will be, and, and you can speak to this, Dave... There'll be a generation of kids who were at that game on Thursday night or have been at some of the other games in the build-up to this who are watching that and who are now Huddersfield Town fans for life because they've experienced this. And even the older heads who were already diehards, likes of John McLean. um, Again, it's what it's all about. It's 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 why we watch football is from memories like that. And yeah, it's been a, a horrible season, but you can't get, anything like that anywhere else in entertainment, if you want to call it entertainment.
0: No, I I did see there were one or two of the usual comments from other fans of championship clubs about celebrating not going down and all of that sort of thing. And I just, whenever I see the celebration police out for something like that or for winning the League Cup, you know, celebrating the League Cup like they won the Champions League, it's like football must just be such a soulless place for you (laughs) when all that really matters is the Champions League final and to a lesser extent the Premier League trophy. It's like what a what a what a joyless existence that is. And yeah, last night was everything you want from from football really. And my daughter, Steve was referring to my daughter who was there, and she was she was blown away at the end. She's been she's been captivated over the course of the season when it's been bad. So when it's good. You know, it's it's incredible for her. And she is they're renewing their season tickets over on the far side and she's constantly drenched in Huddersfield Town gear. She looks like David Wagner, that is Pomp. Um, so, you know, it does make a difference. And the thing is, we're coming into a different kind of summer. There's there's a changing of the guard, you know. We 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 have no inside information on exactly when Kevin Nagel takes over officially. But we've certainly not heard any noises to suggest there's any trouble, so it's probably in the EFL's, EFL's hands. Again, we don't know that. We're just assuming. Yeah, I, I believe it is, yeah. But when that when that happens and, and, you know, we have a there is gonna be some changes. There's there's a new manager coming in to what is now a horrible job <laughs> <laughs> replacing Neil Warnock. I don't mean horrible in the sense that it's impossible or anything like that, but Yeah, if you lose two in a row next season there is going to be a certain section of the fans who are just going to say can we not just get Neil back? Um, But they've got to get a new manager there'll be a little bit of upcycling in the squad and yeah, it it makes such a difference to finish this way Steve because you're finishing on a moment of triumph and let's be honest this season has been anything but triumphant but finishing on a moment of triumph right at the end of the season makes or breaks your summer and you could
1: what would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: They've got certain cycles. They've got a break, which we'll go into, and all of that sort of thing. But you've just got to have football's about moments. You know, if you can't enjoy the moments, then you're a Man City fan. No, I don't mean that. Bayern Munich City fan. Fans. <laughs> yes, <buy> a <laughs> Munich fan. Before they, before I get attacked. But it, it's the other thing is it's it's a very Huddersfield town moment you know there, yeah. there are other clubs who wouldn't celebrate in that way and it wouldn't mean as much this was a very very Huddersfield town moment and that's I, please understand I'm not using that disparagingly at all I'm talking about these are the things and the triumphs that are quite unique to that football club and the things to be celebrated at that football club and there is nothing wrong with that and long may it continue because I tell you what I'd far rather have nights like last night than what we had in December and January, largely. Right,
1: Kevin Keegan. Um, I mean, I think you were very... I think you were spot on. I'm sorry, I'm a a bit incoherent because I'm knackered. I didn't really sleep last night. Um... I've lost a bit of weight and I keep um, rolling over on my front in in my sleep and then waking up, lying on both my shoulders and both my arms are dead and then I can't get back to sleep. But um, do you When you do that, <laughs> do
0: you sit there going, I'm a ladybird, I'm a ladybird?
1: <laughs> I will now. Um, but yeah. that happened this morning and then I remembered last night and I was too buzzing to get back to sleep. Uh, so there we go. But um, no, um, you you've said to me you think Neil Warnock is... Basically the embodiment of Huddersfield Town. <laughs> you know, wow. he is everything they want as a personality. Um, in terms of his even his style of football, which isn't to everyone's tastes, as he himself will be keen to, to point out to you. Um, again, it's just, I think this is something that shouldn't be overlooked. And you, you mentioned giving credit to the club for getting him in when they did. But I don't think there's anyone else they could have got other than David Wagner. No. Maybe. Maybe.
0: No. No? He, he wouldn't, no? he wouldn't have done it. Who would he wouldn't have done it, who, Steve. I, not, I, not
1: kept them safe, but I was going to say no. immediately got the fans back on side in that I, way.
0: I don't, I don't even think he would in the same way. I think you'd have... I think the, I think the thing is, you'd had a, a lot of people with a real sugar rush straight away. A proper, proper sugar rush. Who, if he then goes and loses to, to Burnley and Coventry in the same way... I off. think suddenly the memories of how it ended in the Premier League how it went you know, how it went wrong and how the wheels came off and the recency of that I don't think you'd have had the crowd in the same way mm. I, I really don't and I don't think you could David Wagner could have not have sat there before and after the Burnley game essentially laughing about writing it off yeah, and it'd be alright with a with yeah. a, <laughs> a chunk of fans and the problem is, I just don't think he gets the crowd in the same way. The crowd have been a major factor, I think, home and away games. I think one of the one of the things that squad has felt this season is a little bit isolated on the pitch at times. This isn't a criticism of the crowd. They deserve to be. They've been truly rotten in too many games to receive unreserved backing. Mm. I think... I said this to you off the record, Steve. I'll go on the record now. I think the town crowd have been incredibly patient at times this season. Incredibly patient. And people who are like, you know, when they did get a few boos, there were one or two people going, oh, you've got to support the club. There are other clubs where they'd have been booing from the second week of the season. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Uh, So... I think Warnock got the fans in a way on side, even through the defeats, that I just don't think Wagner would have done. I, I genuinely think, I, in my heart of hearts, I think there is one person in world football who could have done what he done. I and I, I, you know, again, it's not a disparaging remark. I'm not claiming he's better than Pep Guardiola or better than Klopp, but it's just for this. Perfectly unique set of circumstances. He has this perfectly unique toolkit at this club where he fits in like a glove to come and do it, and he did it.
1: You yeah. know, I, uh, I, I, th- I, I, yeah, I th- remarkable. I thought it was really, really canny that even from day one he was like, well, I don't know if I can keep us up, but we'll give it mm. a go. And again, I think that is something only Warnock could get away with coming in and saying because mm. he can. As you say, you mentioned the Burnley thing. I think that's a perfect example. The kind of thing that only Neil Warnock can come and say and everyone just thinks it's funny instead of grossly offensive and unambitious or whatever it is. You know, is. Yeah. We, we've seen that with other managers where they've said certain things and uh, and fans have not responded well. Warnock can say those things and people just take it as earnestness. They take it as humour. He talked. At the press conference last night about the role of humour in the dressing room and again I think the players needed that levity and just to take the pressure off them you know and I think there's a reason why, I, I know it genuinely does annoy him but I think there's a reason why Neil Warnock spends so much of his time complaining about referees or talking about how his team don't have any luck it's a distraction you know it's right out of the alex ferguson playbook mm. probably one would say ferguson learned it from him but <laughs> yeah.
0: but it was it you know it was interesting last night when he he got the guard of honor and you could see he was emotional you know and he and and the robot learned to feel you know it was like he felt something other than anger the baby foal walked. It was it was incredible, really, to see it. But I, I, I'm being trite. But you have to understand that I think what we see on the pitch is only ever the result of all the work that goes yeah. in off it. And I think what Warnock has done, more than anything else, is his strength is not getting a squad of football particularly fit or... Like masses of of real tactical nuance and flair and anything like that. his His strength is by getting a core of players to do exactly what he wants, but also feel absolutely great doing it. yeah, you know, and and that is that is what they needed. And as I said, there was this marriage with the crowd there and the club itself, and it it just it's just worked. it's it's just it's been a real triumph. but Yeah, I don't want to lurch into the territory we're going to cover next week, but they have to break this cycle now. You Mm -hmm. know, they can't, they can't. It's the permanent boom and bust, really stops them growing properly. Yeah, you know, and I thought it was interesting that Neil Warnock was asked the same question in two different ways last night, and he gave a better answer when Carlos Barba asked it late on which was essentially, you know, are you going to have a role at the club going forward in terms of giving them some advice and giving them a blueprint? I, I It's not that I don't think he's... It, look, after what he's done, he needs to certainly have a conversation with the new manager and, and have conversations with people at the club. But it's it's kind of... town should never be bringing in a 74-year-old in February to get them out of trouble again. You know, if, they, if they're going to move on, this has been an unbelievable triumph. You know, this has been special Steve hasn't it this has been club DVD stuff let's be honest and again I'm not being trite when I say this this has been a really special period for fans it's put I have mates who genuinely weren't going to games you know and the season tickets are cheap enough for them to miss and they don't really care who are now back in love you know and they are I've had a picture of (laughs) I've had a picture this morning of Neil Warnock as Christ the Redeemer on Castle Hill I've had enough of another one of them Sat in the coronation chair. Um, I've had another. You know, they are back in love with it. Town really need to sort of capitalise on that now and not not go into another roller coaster. Really, that's the last thing they need. And I hope they do lean on Warnock a bit for a bit of advice. And but I, what I'm saying is, I I don't think he's necessarily the man you want a blueprint from. I think they've got to they've got to do something now that ensures they don't need to pick up the phone to Neil Warnock in February next year. He'll probably be at Plymouth by then anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I, again, I think you're right. that I think, and again, don't want to get too far into territory. We're going to get into next week. But you're right, the, the boom and bust isn't helpful. Because I, I think everyone acknowledges promotion to the Premier League came before they were really ready for it. And then it meant that they just weren't, I know they stayed up, but weren't... Especially prepared for for the ramifications of that. I think last season was a similar situation, and I think it's not mm. just that they weren't prepared to go up to the Premier League last year. I think they weren't particularly prepared to maintain being a, a playoff contending Championship side for yeah, this season. I agree. Um, I agree. When you look at the players that left and and mm. you know the the lack of replacements from and you know that's not to sort of do down <laughs> Chet and and Armour who's obviously missed most of the season. <laughs> But they weren't, and I think the way that things have played out off the field tells you they they weren't in a position to continue investing at a level that would have got them there. And I think the only way you do do that is by steady, steady, and planned growth rather than just oh, oh what would just being reactive all the time. That that's the thing, isn't mm. it? They've just been so yeah. reactive for fifteen years, uh, <laughs> really, um, bar sort of three years where after they got promoted to the championship and we're sort of finishing nineteenth every year. So yeah, it's um and even then they were replacing the manager every year, weren't they? So Yeah. Yeah. It's uh again, we'll we'll get into this more next week, but it's at the moment it's it's happy days. Um do we have anything more to add, Dave? Uh
0: not really. I mean I th- I think I think at the moment, it's just really, just enjoy yourselves. You know, yeah. that last game on Monday, being a dead rubber, I know I I, I know I was like a big advocate of the fact I never thought it'd go to the final day because I just thought the winds were blowing Townsway a while ago and I've been saying it for a few weeks. But the the fact it is a dead rubber should not stop it from being remarkable, really, that they're in that situation. And I think whatever happens in that game, The fact that Town will get to walk around that ground getting a standing ovation from the fans, that there will be a sort of a joy and a bump going into the summer. Whatever happens in the ninety minutes, it doesn't matter. You know, I think that in and of itself is is genuinely remarkable Mm -hmm. because there was a point this season where it looked like it was going to be a classic eight hundred fans left in the stadium, five minutes after full time you know see you later <laughs> we're done let's move on to the summer so yeah I, I think it, it, it is remarkable I think it's brilliant I think a lot of people are back in love and are going to renew season tickets etc which is a huge part of town's business model let's let's be completely cynical about it <laughs> so that is a very very good thing and yeah I, it's a wait off isn't it we did not Want particularly to be a League One podcast next season? Yeah. Uh, before we finish, actually, Dave, Player of the Season
1: voting is now open. Who would you be voting for, or who have you voted for, or do you, would you prefer not to say, lest you prove uh, too ha- influential and sway the vote?
0: Uh, <laughs> I have voted, uh, Anthony Alcott. Um <laughs> He's not even listed. Didn't play enough games. Uh, um, I, I for me, I think over the course of the season, I. I think over the course of the season, it's Mikael Hellek for me, who has been. I always look at player of the season as it's not necessarily the player who's been the best for certain spells. You know, I always look at. I always. I'm a big advocate of the player who's never been below a six and, you know, rarely been higher than an eight, but has always been in that mix. And I think that's where Hellek's been. You know, he's never really had a four out of ten game to my eye. I think Matty Pearson would probably get it if he'd not had that injury. I think he's been so influential since he's come back, and such a big he's hes like the epitome of Warnock on the pitch, isn't he, Matty Pearson? Yeah. You know, he—he's—he's he's a big old slice of Warnock on you, in your back three. So, it—it um, it, it would have been him for me if he'd played longer. But it's hell. It's interesting to me that. Some of the people I know who voted have have gone for other people. I think there's a little bit of recency bias in there, but yeah, Hell's Hell's bells
1: for me. Uh, I'm also team Helic th- for exactly the same reasons. I think there's other players who have had who have, and and again, I, I'm with you on Pearson. I think he's not played enough minutes to get my vote he's missed half of the season I'm not to doing down what he's done in those minutes because as you say he's been massively influential but I think the fact that you've got a player who has sort of I think matched his levels in Hellick um, and has done so over the whole season um, and came in when they desperately needed that centre back as Pearson's replacement um, yeah I find it difficult to look past him uh, I think Tom Lees is
0: up there as well
1: um, I think Jared yeah, just, go on
0: I think the only thing I was going to say about Tom Lee is there was, there was a spell last year where he suddenly looked every inch his age and he looked he really, really uncomfortable. He? Yeah. No, he, he he didn't look good at all. Whereas I think it's just because Helix come in and he's sort of kind of not missed a beat yeah. throughout.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, Jack Radoni is the other one that's interesting, which I know you were going to say. Yeah,
1: I, I think he's, uh, he's, he's the only player who's played every game for town this season not started them all but he's he's played every game I think he's had I think it's fair to say he's improved over the season I think he started well then had a dip and then has been gradually improving since then but I think second half of the season has been really influential so um, particularly in, in improving them in attack so uh, I could completely understand where that's coming from um, Yeah, the-
0: he's, like, he's like clubman of the year you got player of the year and clubman of the year, and he's like clubman of the year, isn't he, for the effort and the minutes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Right, Dave, musical recommendation. We have to sing. Uh,
0: uh, right, okay. And next
1: year we're going to change this to media recommendations like TV shows and podcasts and things, because I'm running out of music. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, there's not there's not much of it about steve there is a <laughs> finite supply you're you're exactly right to be fair but no if we, i mean how many times can we recommend into the spider verse between us over the next season that will be the game uh mac miller the divine feminine been listening again love that album it's a shame he was uh taken from us but he was that album is just a piece of genius really and now worth a genius <laughs> Yeah, he collaborated a lot with um, Thundercat, didn't he? Who was one of my favourites. He collaborated with uh, loads of people, yeah.
1: Yeah. There we go. Uh, Right, I'm going for Jesse Ware's new album, which is called That Feels Good. There's there's an exclamation mark after that and an exclamation mark after Feels Good. Uh, Disco, well, I say disco inflected, literally just straight disco is what it is, uh, very unlike her previous stuff, uh, but no less enjoyable for it. Sound of the summer, Dave. <laughs> Sound of the summer, is it, limit? Me... <laughs> exactly. Lovely, great, fantastic. I'm off to put you in at centre-forward for Monday's predicted lineup, up Dave. And we'll... I'm fit, Gaffer. I'm
0: fit. <laughs>
1: we'll see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>